0: Out of me, the marked, I'm marked, to now we, we're marked. But why are we marked? Why did God do what he wanted to do with us? Why did he call us? And so I cannot tell you how important it is for us to see the relevance of unity as we see the kingdom more than me see the kingdom. So this is who we are. We is always greater than me we is always greater than me so what do we do when we look at the church what does the church look like when we is an element when we is in play right not we like the video game we, because some of you are like i like that too i play tennis i'm a real good tennis player who's a really good we player but when you play it in real life you can't do jack anybody I think I talked about this some time ago when uh, we we first got the Wii. Uh, uh, One of my children who remained nameless uh, was on the couch like this. They got so good at it. They were doing this. This is how they were playing. (laughs) This is tennis. (laughs) Serious. I came into the living room. I said, how lazy are you? The whole purpose of the we was so that you can stay active, not... I'm golfing, Dad. What happened here? Right? I'm not talking about that kind of we, right? I'm talking about the we that changes the world. I'm talking about the we that has decided that we can do so much more together than we could ever do apart. I'm telling you the we that collects other misfit we's and says because of God's grace, we can change the world. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the we that shares the truth and the hope of the gospel. I'm talking about the we that cares for the sick. I'm talking about the we that, that, that puts a dent in poverty and we decide that we will work on helping and bless others. We. That we will fight hunger. That we will fight hopelessness. That we will give hope. We. That's the we that changes the world. So we can do a lot more together than we could ever do apart. Why? Because God is looking for people that have decided that they can be radically unified for the purpose of God. I'm looking for people this morning to stand with me and say, you know what? I want to be radically unified for the glory of God. I want to do something to change the world. Something is stirred over the last 14 months. Something was revealed in the last 14 months in the church of God. I've met with pastors after pastors, person after person, leader after leader on a lot of levels. And can I tell you something, church? Things came out over the last 14 months that I never imagined would. People have soared while other people have just crashed because they relied on things that didn't matter. 14 months I've seen leaders arise I've seen other people tank in their faith. But in one way or another, there's not a single one of us that have felt like 24 hours, seven days a week, 365, God was with us every single, every, every single moment of every hour. There's times that we probably felt, how many would agree with me? There are times that we felt like, what is happening in this world around us right now? Anybody felt like that? It's a whirlwind. So I think it's safe to say that there are moments that we felt like, man, where is the God that joins the we? Like, where is that? And I tell you something, I've also seen people unify behind changing lives like I've never seen before. We were able to do some things over the last year that I never imagined we would do, and I never even thought to do because everything changed. So when I'm talking about the, the we side of things, I want us to understand something, that as we look at these the next few weeks, of how what does it look like? I want to talk to you about misfits and missionaries. Misfits and missionaries. How many ever felt like a misfit? Like you just did not fit? Raise your hand. Some of you are like, I don't even fit in your question right now. So I'm not going to raise my hand. Some of us have felt like a misfit. Like... Where is, I feel like a square peg in a, trying to fit in a round, you know what I mean? You know, a square, what is the, what is the term? A, a square peg in a round hole. How many ever felt like that? You're like, there's nothing I can do to fit in, you are a misfit. Anybody ever felt like that? I have. And maybe over the last few months, maybe that's how you felt. But I want to tell you that God uses misfits and turns them into missionaries. I mean, there's not a you can't go much throughout the Bible without bumping into the next misfit, right? The Bible is full of misfits. So if you found yourself as a misfit today, there is good news. Are you ready? God can use you, which gives me great hope. Some of you are like, yeah, Pastor Tony, I've known you long enough. You're right. <laughs> what I learned a long time ago that a misfit in the world is a perfect fit in the hand of God. And so, every single one of us, in one way or another, if you're a misfit or you feel like, you know what, I've tried to do everything right, I've tried to live right as a missionary, so to speak, not necessarily a technical missionary, but the idea that I'm doing God's will. And that's usually what a missionary is looked upon as, right? Someone that just goes out of their way to do God's will. But I think we should all be missionaries to some degree, yeah? I mean, there's a mission that God, what is a missionary? A person with a mission, right? just because you don't go overseas doesn't mean you don't have a mission. Just because you don't go overseas doesn't mean you don't have a mission and a will that God has laid out for you. And so no matter where you fit, whether you're a misfit or a missionary, God is calling, and sometimes we feel like both. Anybody ever felt like both? you like interchangeable, like depending on how my week is going? You ever felt like one week, I feel like a misfit this week, and the next week like, I feel like a missionary. I feel pretty good about this week. And then the next week, you're like, oh, dear, I'm, I'm back to misfits again. But here's the thing. God is not intimidated by that. God will use misfits and missionaries, and that's what makes the we greater than the me. And so here's a thought for you. Me is simply we upside down. If you can turn your me, your, ups, your life upside down, you can turn to we very easily. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? As, as I approach today, I want us to understand that something. That even when we're at our weakest, that's when God is made strong. Did you get that? When we're at our weakest point, that's when God is made strong. So let's, let's look at this because Jesus invites misfits to become missionaries and and I want to share a passage that we actually talked about several weeks ago in our last series but I want to kind of bring it around again to look at it at a slightly different angle can we do that because scripture is funny like that you can look at it one way and then depending on what you're talking about you can look at it and see a whole different angle so let's look at this at Matthew 4 who's got Matthew 4 with them Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. Follow with me. The media team's going to have to follow me closely on slides and camera because I am hyped this morning. I got a lot of energy right now because I feel like God is, this message is burning in my spirit because what if the church started realizing how powerful they can be? Y'all quiet, man. I swear I'm going to be here till three o'clock. I'm going to. You with me? I'm telling you right now that what if we decided, what if we decided that following him was our number one priority? So let's look at this for a moment. Matthew chapter 4, and I have the verses up on the screen if you don't have it. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And here's the first couple of verses. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and called Peter and his brother Andrew. How many remember? I read that a few weeks ago back in the Mark series, right? I read that, but watch this. They were casting, they, everybody say they. They They were casting a net into the lake for they, everybody say they. They were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Or some of your translations may say fishers of men, right? Now, this is not a dating app. This is not a dating scripture, okay? This is where Jesus Christ is saying, I'm going to have you encounter people with my presence, I'm going to send you out to bring people. And so when we looked at it in the Mark series, we looked at how God is calling you to bring other people in. But if we look at the context of the verse, we begin to see other words that begin to pop out in, the, in light of the we, right? In light of we, he saw two brothers. And when he saw two brothers, they were casting a net, and then they were fishermen, and God called them... Follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, what does it say? They left their nets and followed him. Something happens powerful when multiples gather. I heard a preacher recently say that, you know, and you've heard it. Sometimes we use the verse where two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst, right? Right? and it just dawned on me that most people use that because they want to feel better about the fact that three people showed up at a prayer meeting. We want to feel better. Hey, it's okay. Let's be encouraged. Two or three are gathered. There's two and you. Two and you, that's good. Two and you is all we need because God is with us. And while that is true, and I take him at his word, amen? We take him at his word. But that's not what that's about. That's understanding the idea of synergy in the spirit. When people come together and agree, it could be a conference or it could be a small two or three, what is he saying? I'm already there because your intentions are about me. Your intentions are about me. So, Because your intentions are about me, the we becomes a very important element. You with me? So look at this. Watch. He goes on to say this. Going on from there, he saw two, how many? Two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. You guys remember them? They were, they were a little bit like firecracker. Like You ever met somebody that, that just, they bring intensity to everything? Like they can ask you for like a can of soda and it's intense. Like they'd be like, can I have a can of soda? You ever met somebody real intense about everything? Right? You ever met somebody like that? And you're like, whoa, like, I thought you were gonna ask for something much more intense than a can of soda. But that's James, that that was what James and and John were. They were that, they were the ones that wanted to call down fire. They wanted to, and so. They were at their boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately what? They left the boat and their father and followed him. So what am I talking about? We, when we walk through the series, what we wanted to do is aim at you, at, because only you could really change you, right? In other words, you can make the decision. God changes you, but what I'm saying is you can't wait for somebody else to try to change you, because that just doesn't work. I can change him. And that's how come you know the biggest advice I can get anyone in dating is if you think you can change them, don't even get into that relationship. Right? I'll alter them at the altar. Come on somebody. There's a reason why it's called altar. Because I'm gonna change him. I'm gonna change him at the altar. No, Pastor Tony, trust me. I know he's going to, I just really feel deep down in my heart. I'm saying, don't trust that. Don't trust your heart. Are you with me? That thing is wicked. Not your heart, all hearts. But I really feel, stop feeling. Stop it. Don't do that. Don't do the feeling thing. But no. no, don't, don't feel. Trust. And what we got to understand is we have to do our part and understand that we are in charge of ourselves first. And that's where we were in the first series. Now we have to begin to look at how can we as a church make an impact on the world? Amen? So it's always we greater than me. So... I believe that God wants us to see that there are things. And so the previous series was about my part. This series is about our part. What is our part together? Someone once said this, and I love this quote. I found this quote, and I want you to hear this closely. Everybody follow along, whether you're online or here or listening on a podcast. Listen to this quote because it's a little long, but I want you to hang on this for a moment. It's not, not going to be on the screen. Listen to this. God aggressively values and uses thugs and misfits to build his glorious kingdom. Abrasive, thick-headed people like Peter. Hotheads like James and John. Violent brawlers and extortionists like Simon and Matthew. Mentally deranged bag ladies, maybe like Mary Magdalene. He doesn't give them a bowl of soup and shuffle them out of the church. He gives them a responsibility a hallmark of genuine value and trust in the God who uses the weak to shame the strong. I said this before in the last series, and it bears repeating. If you were going to start something, you would probably go out and find the best of the best in that field, right? You say, well, if I'm going to start something, a business, first I need to find a good marketeer, right? Someone that's good at marketing. And then I got to find someone that creates a great logo, right? Then I got to find someone that does great web design. Then I got to find someone that does this and someone that does that and some, right? How many are with me? Raise your hand if that's how you would approach starting a business. Find the best in what you could do, right? Most of us will be that way. But here's what Jesus did. Find me the people that are at least willing. Because God plus one is always the majority. God says, I, I'll take care of the empowerment. You just take care of the availability. I'll take care of the ability. Just make yourself available. I'm asking you today, are you available for God? Because the last series we were talking about how you were individually available. Now, what are we doing as a body to make a difference? Some of you still haven't found your place. This is where you begin to look at this. And before we can go define grace, the grace that God has saved you with, let's look at for a moment what grace doesn't look like. You say, why should I serve? Well, because of God's grace. And let me tell you what grace is not. Can I do that for a moment? Can I tell you what grace isn't? Because a lot of people kind of have a different perspective of grace, maybe even a different definition. Let me tell you something grace right now is not a term, grace is not a doctrine. Grace is not a buzzword. Grace is not the words of a song nor a prayer before meals. Grace is not a name plastered, just plastered on our churches. Grace is not merely niceness or kindness. You treat someone with grace, right? It's not something that just can be completely understood. In fact, let me tell you what grace is. It is something that can never grow old or stale. It's understanding that God has loved you through you. He went through you to love you, and he still loves you the way he started loving you before he went through you. He looked at all of your life, and after looking at all of your life, he still loves you the same. Friends, that is a picture of grace. So you say, why should, I, why should I concern myself with the we element? Because there's not a single person in this room that has not been saved by grace. Are you following me? Uh, let me say this again, because I think that came out a little weird. There's not a single person that has been saved by by their own abilities, but every single one of us that have put their trust in Jesus has been saved by grace. That's what I meant. Every single one of us. None of us have been saved by our abilities. We have all been saved by grace. Grace is what flows through the veins of Jesus on that cross. That's the ultimate mark. Those who stubbornly did what they wanted to do, his grace has still been there. He loved the one who gladly uh, uh, decided that they never want to see Jesus. They never want to follow him. He loved them anyway through their their struggles and their pain and said, regardless of you, I love you. And that, my friends, is a picture of grace. That's how Jesus started his church. He started it with grace. He started it with people that didn't look like everything we ever imagined to start the church with. Think about the people he started the church with. Think about the people he chose as disciples. One of them was later going to betray him, and he still picked them. Would you pick somebody that you knew was going to steal from you to take care of your money? He gave them freedom to be able to choose what they wanted to do. Even though he knew, he gave them a choice. and Today, each of us have a choice to walk in the kingdom of God as me, or walk in the kingdom of God as we. Are you with me? There's so much more that we can do together than we could do apart. So Jesus taught them by personal example. What did he do? Disciples came to Jesus. Said, What did they say? They said, teach us how to pray. He didn't say, teach us how to market. Teach us how to worship. Teach us how to do uh, music. Teach us how to whatever said, Master, teach us how to pray because the Father's business was all they cared about. Why? Because they watched Jesus be about the Father's business for three and a half years. They were inspired by Jesus's life. Because they were inspired by Jesus's life, they were asking the real questions. How should we pray? How should we engage our Father in heaven? Here's what I, I honestly believe is true. Are you ready for the statement? The church will never see the impact God wants until they see themselves in the person He created. You will never be able to do what God wants you to do until you see how much of yourself is in you and begin to empty yourself and let God's grace take place of that. So, what does the church look like? J- Jesus taught the church how to pray and how to worship, how to heal and how to help, how to lead and how to love, how to save and how to serve, how greater faith and have greater desires and to be live a life that is untouchable and unshakable because of his Holy Spirit in our lives. So what are we talking about? Ephesians 2. Let's look at that for a moment. I think I have that verse up on the screen. Ephesians 2. You are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You know what he's saying? You went from you to we. When you join the family of God, you join the we fan, us. Built on the foundation of who? The apostles and the prophets, the people that follow Jesus. That's what we build everything that we believe on. What he taught the apostles, because he taught them what they, how they should live. With Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus himself, as the chief cornerstone. What are we saying? You are not strangers to God, because Christ's death on the cross has made you family. You with me? Christ's death on the cross made you family. Family. So in him, the whole building, let's look at verse 21 for a moment. Therefore, no, verse 21, yep. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become the temple or the holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being what? Did you see that? In him, you're being built together. Built what? Together. Friends, something happens together that can never happen alone. Ephesians is a great example, and in him, you two are being built, not solo, not solo, built together. Can I talk to you for a moment? It's time we come out of our homes and start believing God for great. Things. Fourteen months later, it's time that we start looking at being built together. This church will be stronger, not just this church, but the church worldwide will be better when everybody has decided that we're being we're being built together. Listen, I've been patient as a pastor. For the last 14 months, but now is time to realize what we can do together, we can never do alone. Whether you're online, this is not a point of judgment. This is me telling you as pastor, it's time we step out. Something went seriously wrong around the the last 14 months where the Bible has been very specific about if we are needing prayer to come and let people pray for you, where instead we've been pushed, pushed, and I understand to some degree, hear me, we've been pushed away to say, stay, 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 and then there are people wondering why they're struggling so bad. Why? Because they can't be built alone. There's certain things that have to be built together. Together. Now, I wrestle within myself just even saying that because I realize that there's some very serious autoimmune issues there that come play in this. And I'm not being insensitive to the lives that were lost and, the, and this, that, and the other. I'm not, I'm not trying to be that. But I do hear one thing when I read this verse. In him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling. Not the walls, but there's something about us gathering together. And when we had to do that, even virtually, there was a struggle for people to show up because there was already a struggle internally. So here's what I'm saying to you. There's something that happens when the people have decided enough is enough, and I think we need to do something about it. This world is dark because some of the light have been hidden for too long. My job as your pastor is not to tinker toe around all the different things that we don't want to offend anybody with. I'm going to tell you how it is. And for some reason, some people have hid their light out of fear for too long. Come out. Let's be built together and let's make a difference together. Amen. Amen. Are you hearing my heart? Because we're called to be a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. We are his dwelling. Did you know that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? If you're a believer today and you call yourself a Christian, did you know the Holy Spirit dwells in you? Did you know that? And so Jesus commissioned the church to, to, to keep going, to love God, and to love people, and to serve with our gifts, and give hope. That's, our, that's the goal of God. So, Philippians tells us, therefore, if there's any encouragement, if any consolation of love, there's a sense of unity that he's talking about here. He says, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. God wants us to be of the same mind, and that happens when we gather together. That happens when we come together. I don't know about you guys, but I could have, have a horrible week, but when I come into this building and I start turning lights on on Sunday morning, I get excited every single time. I do my routine every Sunday morning. I walk through, and I, I start turn things on, and I'm, as I'm walking through, I'm going, oh, man, this building's going to be full with some people here uh, in, a few, in a few hours. And I start praying, God, let your Holy Spirit move. I don't care if it's not about me. I don't want it to be about me. But if anything happens in this room, it has to happen from you. I don't, have, I don't care how great my sermon is or if I bomb it, because I've bombed a few. How many ever had like a speech or something you're like, man, that was the worst ever? You felt like that was... I've had those moments where I walk away going, did anybody understand anything I just said? And then somebody will come up to me and say, Pastor Tony... That word was for me. And I'll go, oh, good thing, at least there's one. That was a close one, right? You ever felt that way? Just like, at least there's one. I mean, just. But the weaker I am, the stronger he is. That's why he started the church with people that were misfits, because he turns misfits into missionaries. He turns misfits into missionaries. And sometimes the missionaries are the misfit, right? So let me share with you a couple quick thoughts. John chapter 13. When we're talking about unity, unity makes love understandable, right? Can I have the ushers turn the house lights up a little more? Because I think some people might be falling asleep. I'm not hearing too many amen, so I'm going I'm to work a little harder. I'm not going to lull you to sleep here for a moment. Hear me. Unity does things in the kingdom of God that no one can do alone. It brings about a power of the resurrection that none of us can duplicate on our own. Unity makes love clear and understandable. John 13, 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Psalm 133, one, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? unity something happens when the me is flipped when i flip on my me it becomes we and something very interesting happens so what does the biblical unity look like let me tell you four quick thoughts and these are not long points but here it is you ready everybody say yeah, yeah. okay you're good You're way good so watch this number one we are called to walk In the same mind. Walk in the same mind. What we look at is we look at that verse here. You look at verse 2 make my joy complete by being of the same mind. That's verse 2. Point 1 is based on verse 2. Same mind, same thoughts. We Christians must develop the actions, and those of you that are seeking God, we have to understand that there is nothing outside of Jesus that gives you true joy. Sin will have pleasure for a little while, but true joy only comes in Christ. Jesus was willing to die for the sake of others. Jesus was committed to obey the Father because he wanted to be of the same mind that the Father he served was of. You follow me? He looked for Jesus. He was lost. He went back to the temple. He said, Why were you, what were you doing? Why did you, you get so shocked all of a sudden? I was about the Father's business. Mindset. Number two, we're called to walk in the same love. Jesus' sacrificial love on that cross was, for the, was the new standard. The new standard that he raised the bar. How many have ever seen somebody uh, do something amazing and then you're next and you're like, <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Right? Maybe like an Easter cantata or a Christmas musical where somebody belts out a song and then they're like, you're next. And you're like, uh, is this on? And you're like, how am I supposed to follow that? You don't. That's the thing about the kingdom. You don't. You trust God to work through you to do exactly what he's called you to do right now. Compare and compete and you'll live in defeat. Start realizing that as we love God, we're not called to compete. Nor to compare. We're called to come. Just come. Come. Come to him. Regardless of who you are, let him love you. Then he's called us to walk in the same spirit. This is our inner being. This is, this is the same mindset. So when we look at it, we realize that he's calling us to, to walk. And, and we look at verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grabbed, but emptied himself. Jesus constantly was emptying himself. Why? Because he wanted to be one in the spirit with his father. And friends, do you really want to be one with your brother and sister in this room? It takes a little work, doesn't it? I'm so grateful every single week of the things that God does. Through this body. And can I tell you something? Look at me for a moment. and Everybody look at me for a moment. Some, there were some people over the last 14 months, you did amazing things. I'm so grateful for you. I really am. Because you, you stood up and you said, I'm going to be a part of something. And you were a part of it. And even though we had those moments of struggle, and I remember I shared this with some time ago. I said, my biggest nightmare was to show up on Easter morning to preach. And nobody's in the building. Like, like nobody's there. And that's what happened last year. We showed up. It was me, my family, and a few other people in the back making sure the camera was running. And we were in an empty room. It kind of help us put things in perspective. How important is our gathering? How important is the we? I hope it's important to you because it's something that happens when we walk in the same spirit. How many sense that, that it's important that we walk in the same spirit, right? Because it refers to our inner being. It means that we've got to go deeper. Something happens. God desires that we be unified in our spirits, unified in our souls. Love is not merely external. It's 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 not just what I can do for me or I can do for you. Love is what we can do for the kingdom of God. And further, somebody that maybe doesn't have the ability to bless me back. That's how you know it's true love. When you can help somebody that either can't help themselves or can't pay you back. And you do it anyway. That's what the we looks like. We. We above me. The kingdom was built on the we the we element. That's why he didn't pick one disciple. He picked 12. He picked a group that would be willing to walk in unity. And My fourth point is simply this. We are called to walk in one purpose. Now hear me. One purpose. Our united purpose in life makes us one in every effort we make. Are you with me? Look at me. Whether you're called to be misfit or missionary. Some of you are like, I'm called to be a misfit, Pastor. That's my calling right there. I've been misfit my whole life. I'm good at it. That's okay. Because haven't we ever looked into the Bible and seen ourselves? How many of have ever read a story in the Bible and you're like, I probably would have did that? You ever did that? You ever looked in the Bible and said, man... Even if I know I know the end result, I probably would have still done it like this just because that's me. And so what we realize is that when we walk with purpose, no one can deny that we all come from different places. How many come from a different city than the one you live in currently? Raise your hand. Raise your hand real high, real high. You come from a different city than the one you live in right now. Raise your hand high. If you're online, put a thumbs up if that's you. You come from a different city than the one you live in right now. I do. New York is a lot like (laughs) Allenwood. Said no one ever. Um, But that's where I am. That's where I am. I realize that every season... God has opened up reasons for you to be there. And we won't ever know why sometimes. But then there are other times where he reveals it. You're here for this reason. There's no shocker, there's no coincidence that you're here at Freedom this morning. My prayer is that you walk away. Look at me, everyone look at me. My prayer is that you walk away saying, man, I trust and I believe like Pastor Tony that we are better than if I was by myself. Jesus leads us forward as misfits and missionaries and no matter where we are, he's called us to make an effort. So here's what I want to say to you as we begin to kind of put this into a close. I I read through the Bible and when I bump into somebody that I go, ah, why did they do that? If I was to put my name instead in that, I'd be like, ooh, I probably, I might have done the same thing. But I also can't live in such a way that I don't realize that there was once I was lost. So when we operate as a church, That is the church worldwide. We must always operate with the understanding that we were once lost. The world doesn't see that. The world doesn't look at us and go, "Yeah, they were—they were not Christian once." They look at us and go, "They think they're perfect, right?" That's how the world sees church and church people, right? So, like, when you were in the world and you were reckless, people be like, "She's reckless." He's reckless. And then you come to Christ get your life fixed up. They think they're perfect. Like you can't win, right? They think they're so perfect going to church, church, church. That's why I don't go to church. They all think they're perfect. Really? I go to church cuz I realize I'm not. Right? Right? Come on. Show it. Come on. Right? Maybe you Listen, maybe you're at home right now and you're watching this. Allow me just a moment. Maybe you're home watching, you think, man, all those Christians, they go to church because they're all perfect and they got it all figured out. By show of applause, how many realize you are not perfect? Come on. There's nothing in this world that I need more than the grace of God everything else falls apart and that grace holds me when things get crazy grace holds me when things are shocking grace holds me and that grace is not something you say at the table before a meal (laughs) it's not just that it's it's understanding that outside of him I have no hope so maybe you're here today and I just want to encourage you with something we as a body are here to do something Will you join us, be a part of that? There's a place you can serve. Now, we talked about marked for weeks, right? We talked about being marked by God. Now, this is where I say, let's start being used of God again. If you are still not being used and not serving in a capacity of some way, can I encourage you right now to consider going to the connection that's after service and talking to Rebecca. Rebecca's back there somewhere just talk to her and say, Rebecca, I would like to serve. Where do you need help? We need, little, we need people taking care of our little babies so that mom and dad can hear the word of God. We need kids back there. We don't, how many know we don't just, we don't babysit kids back there. We're teaching them the word of God that will never return void. That's what we're doing back there. And some goldfish crackers. Because that's a staple. It's biblical. Fishers of Cracker. It's in the it's in the amplified. Um <laughs> yes. I'm not gonna lie, there's some adults that like the fishies too. Um but where are you serving? If you're not, pray about it. You don't need to pray too hard because God wants to use you. Amen. Why? Because the we